Welcome back to another Ghost Code Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview between Duncan Evans and Henry Derek Ellis. Check it out. Hello, you're listening to the Ghost Code Magazine podcast. I'm Duncan Evans, and we've got special guest Henry Derek Ellis on today. Hi, Henry. How are you doing today? Hi, right, Duncan. I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, all right, so let's get into the questions. Um, so you've got a history of playing in metal bands, including Active Defiance, um, but your music under the name Henry Derek Ellis is kind of like a lot more influenced by country music, folk music, um, these styles that maybe have a tenderness, um, but you've still got some of the heaviness of metal in there as well. Um, so what inspired you to create this project and start playing that sort of music? Um really kind of embracing my roots because I'm I'm originally from the south, originally from Georgia, uh southeast. Um and you know, being growing up in the Bible belt and and finding, you know, a million reasons to hate that part of the world. Um as you know, as you get older you, you start to kind of like rediscover your roots sometimes and you know you kind of I I don't know I think some people may or may not embark on that path um for me it was it was really uh all about just kind of being really curious you know um I've always been curious about the south and you know the the overall kind of uh you know, like the, it being the Bible Belt, you know, all the biblical kind of references in my music, um, all the country, the blues, the God, you know, there's some gospel influence, you know, all, all of that just is, is stuff I dug up just out of like really, um, like I said, curiosity, but, uh, but also a dark place because, you know, I think um, I, have, I have a lot of problems with the, with that region of the world. So, um, you know, in, in a way, it was like my way of trying to understand that part of the world. But also, you know, um, I, I have a a deep respect for the South as well. So, um, in American music in general, you know, like Americana, when you hear that, like it's it's a tag that gets thrown around a lot now, and I think it's been bastardized by you know group groups like Mumford and Sons or whatever whatever uh popular culture is supposed to think folk music is you know it's just been bastardized to the point where um it, it makes me just not want to be interested in, in it at all um but yeah it you know i guess i guess that's the long answer the short answer would be you know it's it's part of where i come from it's in my blood. I, it, you can't deny these things. You know, when you're a kid, you want to listen to heavy shit. And you want to, you know, you're into punk music. And of course, I love the misfits and all that stuff. And then you want to rebel against the country and the blues and the folk. Uh, but as you get older, you, you understand that, like, there's a lot of, of heart and soul in that music as well, you know? Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And I think I, I think I mentioned in the review, um, there's this word I picked up on that I read somewhere, duende, which is 
kind of meant to mean the, the kind of soul, this kind of this thing that you can't quite put your finger on, but this sort of realness and this this soul, which I I certainly get that when I listen to the the, the real Americana, and I absolutely got that with with your stuff straight away. That that realness is there. Um, do, do, do you think that's important to be kind of real about what you do somehow? Uh, well, th thank you for the kind words. I, I think it's important to to find your own voice and to be yourself. Yeah, I do. Like, uh, you know, all the references that I've gotten, I'm, I'm super grateful, you know, when, when someone can drop a name like Tom Waits or whatever. But uh, keep in mind, it, it took me decades, like years to, to find that, that voice, that kind of voice, you know, after singing in all, all different styles of, of music, you know, rock and metal predominantly, you know, as, as I was younger, um, you know, um, it, it took me a long time to, to find that range and that, you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you're, the way you sing is going to, um, or should reflect, you know, the style of music and, you know, what key the song is in, all of these things play uh, an important factor. And um, for me, it just took me a long time to find that, which is why I didn't make a um, a solo record, you know, in, until just a few years ago. So it's very important. I think a lot of people, they just don't know who they are well enough to, um, to do that or, or, or to, you know, to, to do something that's, worthwhile and, and really kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I think you got to be fearless and go out on a limb and, and just do you. And a lot of people, you know, they rather, I, I guess in some way it's just easier. It's easier to, you know, to emulate someone else that you admire or, you know, maybe that's how, that's also how a lot of people learn to sing or learn to play, you know, by, and and you know that's that's also understandable, but you got to get away from that, you know. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I think the you know the the real enduring music is from people that have found their own voice, you know, and and I think you can kind of tell. Um, okay, so so I guess that leads me on to, and um, you know, you mentioned Tom Waits. I know I, I mentioned Tom Waits um, as a reference in, in the review. Um, so someone like Tom Waits for me, I, I feel like he kind of grew into being what he was always meant to be. It's like when he was younger, he was almost playing at it a bit and then it, he kind of eventually grew into it and when when he maybe hit about 50 or something it's like right this is what you're meant to be and it was it was like he then by then he'd really experienced those maybe the ups and downs of of life and the hardships um and and the joys as well that perhaps maybe you need to to write real genuine heartfelt songs um so, so uh, yeah, I wondered what you thought. Do you, do you think you need to have a certain level of life experience and to have maybe experienced a bit of pain and suffering as well to be able to write and create music like this? I think it helps a whole lot. I think it helps, you know, like that, that's what makes art, art great, in my opinion, you know, all the artists and writers and 
film directors and, you know, all of these people that I admire are, you know, are all kind of tortured souls in that, you know, stereotypical kind of way, but it does help, you know? And, uh, I, I think, you know, like, like Tom Waits is a great example of an artist, in my opinion, that just gets better over time. For sure. You know, like, um, I mean, I, on, to be honest, I, I really did not start, I didn't start to embrace Tom Waits until, uh, like, Neil Variations. That's exactly the same you know? thing. Yeah, exactly, and, exactly and the I, same thing. I was just one. like, that's, yeah, because yeah, he, you know, that record, had, you know, I, of course, you know, I kind of like the, the early, early stuff, but, um, you know, it was like, uh, dare I say, like, kind of whimsical and, you know, comical. And it, you know, but, but heartfelt and endearing and all that stuff. And, you know, when I heard Mule Variations, I thought, that, wow, that's um, not a complete departure, but definitely an artist kind of growing into his, you know, his own, so to speak. Um, but I, you know, I feel that way about a lot of artists, you know, like um, another popular artist that comes to mind would be Mark Lanigan. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm honestly not, not a Screaming Trees fan, really. Um, I appreciate them. I respect them. You know, even some of the, his early stuff, uh, I could, you know, you can you can definitely hear. Um, you could hear all the influences and stuff, but where he is now, I think, is much more interesting. So it just takes a while, you know? It takes, sometimes it takes a lifetime. Sometimes it takes a discography, you know, or a few novels or a few films, or whatever the the platform is, I think you know you can't rush it, and you can't you know you can't um, yeah you you just gotta follow the path, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, yeah, and I know exactly what you mean about um, someone like Mark Lanigan as well. Um, I know for me, it, when, when I look at the artists that I'm interested in, it does often actually tend to be artists who really flourished a little bit later on when they had got a bit more of that life experience. So, yeah, very much relate to what you're saying there. Um, okay, so look, let, let's get on to the uh, the new release. So um, you've just released an EP, um, All the Pretty Little Horses. Um, so it's four covers. Um, the title track, All the Pretty Little Horses, is um, a traditional American lullaby. Then you've got um, songs by Billy Idol, Danzig, and Steve Young. Um, so what made you decide to put out a covers EP? Well, I wanted it, I originally wanted to put out an album worth of cover songs. But, um, you know, it's, it's rather ambitious recording a full-length album. I mean, and I'm not afraid of that. It's just... Um, as an independent artist right now, you know, without a label specifically, like I just wanted to, to get something out there sooner than later. And, you know, um, you know, obviously I want it to be quality, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm to, to, to really put out a record, I think you got to spend a little more time. And, you know, I, it was just fun. It was a fun, small project for me to do, you know, actually go in the studio and, and, and do like, uh, an EP rather than a full length at this point. Um, but yeah, if I had it, you know, if I had it my way, I would have recorded an, an entire, um, like a full length of covers. But so, you know, I mean, I almost kind of picked a few at random just for fun because 
I like that kind of spontaneous, you know, like creativity you, you, you can have, you know, when you're in the studio and you're, you're just like kind of going for it. Um, and, you know, I didn't put that much thought into it. It, it was really just like, I wanted it to be fun and light, you know? And, um, I mean, I thought about covering, you know, all the pretty little horses are doing, you know, uh, a rendition of that for a very long time. Um, and it wasn't until I came up with my own arrangement, which musically is a departure from all the other versions. Um, yeah, it wasn't, in, it wasn't until I, I kind of just thought about like, wow, it's this, this song should be the centerpiece of, you know, the EP and uh, it kind of just grew from there. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, what I really like about, I mean, the, about the whole EP, but particularly that song is that I think, I think all, all the influences and, and, and the different styles are there, but without diminishing, one doesn't diminish the other. So, so, you know, you can tell there is a, there's a heavy element. There's a, there's a, bit of metal in the kind of growl of the voice and things like that but also it's very very tender and heartfelt and it's very much steeped in that whole kind of american country americana whatever you want to call it tradition um so was it kind of conscious to to make sure you had the you know that the harshness and the beauty in there kind of in equal measure or did it just come out how it came out kind of thing yeah. Well, after after recording the full length record, "The Devil Is My Friend," I I kind of knew what you know. I I know what my voice is going to sound like on, on top of anything, and, you know, uh, that I do. And uh, you know, it's like after you kind of figure out, you know, what um, I guess what the template is, so to speak, you know, or or like for me, you know, I just figured out like what. Um, what keys I like. And, you know, I, I, I have, I have so many guitars, you know, that are just tuned, you know, in these crazy alternate tunings. And it's like, that's my thing. That's what I like. You know, I like, I don't like the, the, you know, the standard, um, you know, yeah, I just, I, I think you gotta, for me, it's like what makes art interesting is just doing what you want and, and breaking the rules, I guess. And um, so it, it really did come out the way that you hear it. You know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to like spend a lot of time trying to think about that stuff, you know, um, you know, and I produce all of my own stuff. So it's not, it's not that kind of thing. I mean, I think, I think if I had the budget to go in with the producer and stuff, you know, you can think about that a bit more because or actually you can pay them to think about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, you, you got to have some confidence in yourself and, you know, and just kind of do what you feel. I mean, it, it, it is very much a heartfelt thing and, you know, um, you know, music is the type of thing where you can't force it. It can't be contrived, you know, and you certainly don't want it to sound contrived. Yeah, I think people um, can see through that. And, you know, people know really what it is. Um, yeah, and, you know, the, the other the other thing for me in my music is, like, it is, even if they're, you know, even if I end up putting 80 instruments on top of a song, it's still acoustic-based. It still, it still came from 
you know, an acoustic guitar in the acoustic, the acoustic guitar is in there. It's in the mix, even the, you know, there's some, there's some tracks even on the full length record where you don't hear it, but it's there. And it's important that it's there, you know, because it's, it's, it's the bones, you know, it's like the heart of the heart and soul of, you know, it's organic music. And, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions with rock and, and metal that it's, that it's all, you know, it's, it's all just like, you know, um, it's like an assembly line where it's not, you know, real instrumentation. And there, there is a lot of that happening in, you know, nowadays in modern, the modern macho metal stuff. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I, I think that, uh, once you become comfortable doing what you do, then, then, then you start to take chances and then, then it's really exciting, you know, like so- you know, to, to, to actually um, find that kind of excitement, um, sometimes it could be accidental and, and sometimes, you know, um, sometimes it doesn't work either. But, you know, it's like it's one of those things where you have to strive to, to just, you know, be open. And that's that's something that I've learned being a musician, I think, is just having op- having a, an open mind and and. Um, you know, because that's when you start to hear things differently. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes a great deal of sense. Um, yeah, so I thought just just quickly we could just go through um, the, the different songs and the artists um, that you've covered on the EP. Yeah. So you, you've talked about the title track. Um, so maybe if we talk about the second track, so Dancing With Myself, Billy Idol. So, you know, what does that song mean to you and, and how did Billy Idol enter your life, maybe? Um well, I grew up listening to Billy Idol, you know, as a lot of <clears throat> a lot of us did, you know, through the eighties, like you know, MTV and popular like music. It'd be hard pressed not to, you know, to find someone who who doesn't know who Billy Idol is. But that has nothing to do with you know why I covered the song. I I did, <clears throat> you know, it was one of the uh, first forty five singles I ever heard. My um, my half brother actually moved out and left a bunch of singles and that, that was in the stack of singles. So, uh, it's definitely going way back to my, you know, uh, to my childhood, but yeah, I just thought lyrically, it's such a sad song, you know, lyrically it's, it's such a somber kind of pathetic, <laughs> you know, to tune in a way, if you really read into it that way, like I do, but, but I thought, like, well, there's something there, you know, it would be really, it'd be really cool to strip it down and, and to make make it sound kind of like a, a ballad, but also kind of like a duet, which is, I always, always, like, heard the, the female um, oohs and ahs in there, you know, I thought that would be really, really cool. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, my reinterpretation of the song, you know, just more sad bastard music really <laughs> that's uh, i know josh t pearson uses that phrase sad bastard music i don't know uh, if you know josh t pearson but uh, oh yeah yeah. I, I, yeah I like um i like i like the record he put out a few years ago not the latest one not the last one. Oh, i do like that one as well but i know what you mean it's, it's changed it's changed yeah yeah but 
Um, yeah. But yeah, he calls he calls the stuff on the first one the sad bastard songs. You see, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, your version of the of, of the uh, the Billy Idol song it just makes it into a real tearjerker. It, it I, I don't mind admitting it did just bring a bit of a tear to my eye. It just you know really really tender and you've it's it's great when you know you've talked about the lyrics and when you can kind of hear something in the lyrics and you can hear a meaning which isn't necessarily always communicated in the same way in the original and you can bring out that slightly different meaning um yeah it's great it's just, yeah. it's just a wonderful that's also it's also like finding meaning in the lyrics yourself as well you know i mean you know i know that feeling of of being on tour, you know, being a, being a stranger in a strange land, and after hours sitting in a bar in a corner by yourself and listening, you know, just just listening to the jukebox or whatever music they're playing, and just you know, I I, I know what that lonely feeling feels like, and uh, you know, I I for me, it's like you know, I had to find that, I had to I had to kind of like put that feeling in my version of the song. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it's definitely there. Um, all right, then. So Heart of the Devil, um, Danzig. Um, so this is where it gets, I guess, a little bit heavier, if you want to call it that. Um, kind of more of a full band rock sort of production. Um, but again, um, it feels to me like you, you kind of really mean it when, when, you know, when you're talking about evil and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about that song. Um. Yeah, I was I was kind of on the fence of doing actually doing a uh, a full on rock song, but again, I think with the fact that the acoustic guitar is is kind of a central part of that as well, you know, and uh, for sure, yeah, that that was important to me. And then you know, um, I also didn't. I I also. Sometimes I like albums that that are well rounded, where you know you have the tender acoustic stuff, and then you have more of the rock stuff. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think you know um, those are the albums that you you can go back to, and 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 sometimes it's it's kind of okay to skip over tracks, you know, depending on your mood. And for me, uh, I'm a huge Danzig fan, and um, that wasn't my first choice um, of Danzig songs to cover, but. I do like the history of that song. Um, apparently, um, Glenn wanted Willie Dixon, Chicago blues legend, um, yeah. to to uh, to to sing on that song oh, originally. Wow. And okay, that that's the story that I read, if I'm recalling it correctly. And uh, unfortunately, it passed away before he could could get in the studio. But like, I just thought, like, it, it does have that, you know. It does have a really, I mean, a lot of Danzig songs do have that blues, you know, are essentially, you know, badass, like dark blues tunes. But yeah. but that one in particular, I, I thought it's like it, it could it could almost be like one of those Chicago blues tunes, you know, it, it just. Uh, so, I mean, my first choice was was going to be Killer Wolf from Lucifuge Danzig 2, but um after playing that with with a live with the whole band, I, I I figured that part of the devil would probably be a better choice. Yeah, sure. No, it works brilliantly, and and as you say, even though it is a more of a full production, it's got that kind. I think I said it's got a kind of um, doom folk undercurrent. There's this 
sinister blues thing going on. Yeah. Um, so it all it all fits. It's great. Um, all right, then. So, so the final track is um, Alabama Highway by Steve Young, who, who actually, I don't think I really knew the name Steve Young, but I, I get the impression Steve Young might be somebody who's probably written a lot of songs that I've actually heard. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about Steve Young and, and, and that song. So it's, we're, in, we're into more sort of country or country blues sort of territory, I guess, aren't we? Yeah. Um, well, Steve Young, he... I guess he's most famous for writing a song called Seven Bridges Road, which was covered by the Eagles. That's that's his that was his big payday. It's been covered by other artists as well. But he wrote originally wrote um Lonesome Honor and Mean for Wailing Jennings. Okay. Uh that was that was part of the you know, that was that was definitely part of the big outlaw explosion of the seventies and and really kinda helped paved the way for a lot of other artists, country artists in the 70s. The one thing that always struck me about Steve Young, though, was um, uh, the documentary. There's a music documentary I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. It's called Heartworn Highways. You know, a lot of people kind of reference it to Towns Van Zandt and uh, Guy Clark and those guys. And, of course, they're in there and they're, they definitely make uh, they made an impression on me for sure as a songwriter, but uh, there's a segment with Steve Young in the documentary and he just, you can, you can immediately tell like from all those guys, you know, in, in, in that room and they're, they're kind of all in the kitchen and, and, and they're, they're playing together. They used to do these like guitar pulls, they used to call them where, you know, you know, you get a bunch of like creative guys together and just jam, you know, just drink and jam and hang out. And you could, you could tell that there was one guy, that just stood out. He was like the dark horse, you know, and he was, he was like the man in black kind of sitting in the corner. And he, he, um, yeah, he, he had this like very powerful presence. That's the one thing that, that I noticed. And then this, the song that he plays in the, in the documentary was, was probably the first time I heard him properly. And this goes back, this goes way back, like maybe, 20 years ago or something when I first heard it. But it that song just always stuck with me. Like, I can never forget that song, you know? And uh, it just has, like, this lonely, you know, strung out on the highway kind of feel. And the lyrics are so, uh, you know, th- th- there's a lot to it. You know, there's a lot going, going on there, uh, lyrically. And also being from the South, you know, like... I I just really related to it, you know, the Dixieland thing, um, you know, and, and having that kind of uh, that background, you know. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's one of those tunes that, that I think is magical. It's just a magical song. And um, by the way, I, I'm it's it's all interestingly enough, I, I don't care for his studio version of the song it's i can't listen to that after hearing him play it you know in the documentary because it's just like it's off the cuff it's it's just him being him and it has this purity to it so um the studio version just doesn't do it justice which is interesting but i think i think you know you know there's there's lots of like you know bands and artists that have um, that have kind of like 
done that. Maybe maybe there's a live version that you like more than the studio. You know what I mean? So it's 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 an interesting kind of thing when I think about it. Yeah, and I think for a lot of those, I mean, I, I've not actually heard that original. I must listen to it. But um, for for a lot of those country guys, sometimes. They were, I don't know if it's the case with this song, but they were maybe encouraged to make it a bit sweeter and sometimes to add strings and things in a way that didn't always help. I know with Towns Van Zandt, that was an issue. You know, these these really raw, heartfelt songs that sometimes just didn't come out quite, that the soul of them was a little bit lost in the studio version. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. Com- competing interests and record labels trying to make the song sellable and a hit and all this sort of stuff that comes into play. Um, yes, yes, which which you know just changes everything completely. It almost it almost uh, you know it's it's a slippery slope. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So fantastic. So yeah, I mean, you've talked a bit about um, America. Um, so I was going to ask how America has influenced you, and I, th- I think you've partly answered that, but. Um, I was going to tie that in with talking about LA and what, what the LA scene's like. And I because you live in LA at the moment, and I wonder what the scene there is like for for someone like yourself, I guess, who, who kind of steps outside the usual confines of kind of heavy music or rock music. Um, so yeah, what, what's the scene like, and how has how has that influenced you? Um, LA really hasn't influenced me at all, you know. Uh, it's just another place to live. I've, you know, I have a love hate relationship with Los Angeles. It's um, just too many damn people and too much traffic, and just it's it's right now it's too hot for my tastes. You know, summertime is just. I mean, but then again, it's like I'm from Georgia. At least I don't have the humidity here. But uh, let me talk about you know the positive things, things I do like. There is a there's a music scene here. You know, there's a lot of country. You know, California country is like become this whole you know thing um i don't i don't really like it you know i like i a few years back you know i I used to kind of think it was cool and 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 you know there's some great artists and bands that that are are doing it locally and that have gone on to to find major success as well but there's just too many like just to me, it just seems like, you know, a, a lot of transplants, you know, that walking around with cowboy hats, you know, and, mm. and it's just the California country thing has just gotten to be a bit ridiculous. And I, I realize they don't fit in, especially after making my full length album. I, I, I learned a lot. The one thing I, I learned, I think, um, probably the most important, important right now. Uh, is that I, I don't fit in with country uh, scene, you know. Uh, I definitely appeal to some some country fans, but I don't fit in um, with that whole thing, you know. And um, I don't really fit in with the whole rock thing either. So I, you know, speaking of dark horses, I guess I guess I've I've kind of you know dug a hole for myself in that sense, um, but. You know, in terms of LA, I, I definitely love the the history mm-hmm. of of you know a lot of the the uh, the bands and artists from California. You know, specifically in the '60s and '70s. I mean, I I love that. It's you know deep that deep rooted history of of these bands and artists. You know, um, but 
yeah, it's just another place to live. You know, I, I don't think LA is this magical place, you know, that, that really breeds creativity and, and artistry. It's just not, it's another place to live. And yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, I just kind of found myself here. I moved here specifically for a reason. I had a job, I had a gig in this band and, you know, that, that's how I found myself here. But, um, I don't know. I, I love it. I love the UK, by the way. I'd, I'd um, love to get back there soon. Oh yeah. Well, well, you should, we'd love to have you here, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You should definitely come over. It's um, all a bit crazy at the moment and worldwide. I guess, well, I guess it leads me on to another question with, with the whole COVID thing obviously means um, certainly over here, shows, tours, gigs, it's, there's nothing. It's just all, it's, it, it, you know, there, there isn't anything. Venues aren't really allowed to open. And if they are, they're not allowed to put shows on even the big yeah. venues at the moment. Um so, I mean, I understand in the U.S. Is, there, are, there have been shows, there are shows going on, um, but I don't know if that's widespread. And I think in Texas they've closed bars again and, and stuff like that. So, I don't know, how's that going where you are at the moment? Is there any shows at all? There are no shows to speak of, although, you know, I say that. And driving around, I see, like, backyard parties and things like that. And maybe there are some, like, you know, punk shows like in the middle of nowhere, like maybe, maybe that's still happening. Actually, it's still happening. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I don't think that's the, the best thing that could, could happen right now. You know, um, cases have spiked here. There, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of concern on my part, you know, it's just because I have a respiratory issue and, you know, I, uh, my health is compromised already, uh, you know, with, with the, um, as far as that is concerned. So, um, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of people being very irresponsible here right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I am concerned. I'm also concerned about the venues, you know, um, like I'm concerned about, you know, a lot of the, the venues closing and, and not, not being able to survive. You know, and and that's quite sad, really, because, you know, it would really suck that, you know, when everything opens up, we have no place, you know, there are no places to play, you know. And, I mean, it's getting hard now. Like, you know, there are so many of the the um, the clubs in L.A. have closed over the, you know, just the past 12 years since I've been here. Yeah, it's the same and, in the uh, U.K. It's just the same thing, small venues closing down and... Um, you know, there are underground scenes, there are venues, but it's not the same as it used to be. And, um, yeah, COVID is uh, is a problem. <laughs> you know, it's a bit scary. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I've kind of got faith that something will, will work out, you know, whether it's um, there's a vaccine or whatever. I think things will come through, but it's uncertain, isn't it? We just don't know when that's uh, going to happen, basically. Yeah. So No, you know... You have to be positive. I mean, I I'm positive as as well that that you know we'll get back to it. But you know, for right now, the best thing people can do is is just lay low and and you know hope for the best and um yeah just just be safe and be responsible. That's that's those are the two biggest things you know. But yeah, um, I I have seen some of the the clubs here. Um, or across the country, really, just kind of um, 
they're accepting donations, you know, they're doing what they can to, to really kind of, um, stay afloat. So, yeah. Hope, yeah, hope. we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So as the whole laying low thing, um, have you found you've had the inspiration to be creative, to maybe write some new stuff, to work on projects, songwriting, whatever it may be? Um, you know, I know some people have found that and other people have just said, no, it's just completely not a creative time. So how's it been for you? I, I can see both sides of the coin. You know, like when this whole thing first, when this whole thing happened, um, my year was going pretty good <laughs> up until that point. And then, you know, the walls came tumbling down. But, uh, yeah, I spent a couple of months on the couch, you know, like so many other people that I know. And, uh, you know, coming out of the fog and, and really trying to, to find the light at the end of the tunnel, I, I decided that that I did want to write. And, you know, it's it's quite easy for me to write if I can get in, get in that headspace. But... I also have to be careful because um, I have so many ideas all the time that, you know, can get carried away and, and things can get lost in translation before I can get to the studio. That's my biggest problem, actually, you know. It's not writer's block. It's not, you know, it's it's just having, you know, an overabundance of ideas to the point where I can't, I can't get them, you know, onto onto tape or whatever. And, you know, it's it's also a financial um, restraint for me as well. I don't have my own studio, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that that that's become an issue. I mean, it you know, it's kind of been my necessity as well, you know, because I I don't want to get wrapped up too wrapped up into the technical side. Although I think it's something I need to to work on and and, and really kind of embrace. Finally, uh, I think it would make things easier to, in a way. Um, but I've been writing a lot, actually. I've been thinking a lot about the next full-length record and, and what I want to do and where I want to go. And uh, um, I definitely think it's going to be more rock-based, you know, and more... Um, I definitely think it's going to be more... It's definitely going to still have the dark folk element. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of, like, post-punk influences that I kind of hinted on in the full-length, but I didn't really fully delve in so i i want to do i want to do i want to bring more of those influences in and i just want it to be darker you know it's i i want to kind of like give a big fuck you to the whole like country thing that's so you know i mean you can find a lot of truth in three chords but you can also find a lot of like just you know repetition and and you know like just the same old kind of song and dance you know i want to get away from that um and that that's something i've been thinking about as well and thinking about you know what kind of songs fit together on an album you know these are all things to think about and while we have time i guess you know better better to figure this stuff out now for sure absolutely and then you know if people have got, you know, whatever it is, the next album written, things recorded, whatever, then as soon as touring and shows and gigging are back up and running, then hopefully we can focus on that side and it all kind of comes together, you know, fingers crossed. 
Um, but that's exciting stuff, um, and it's it's interesting to hear how that next record is already starting to shape up and how it's going to be a bit different. So exciting stuff. Um, okay, so I just wanted to shift away from music just for, for, for the last uh, sure. few minutes. So what other stuff, what other art influences you, whether that's literature, film, visual art, books? Uh, yeah, what what feeds into what you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, literature, poetry is a huge, you know, huge part of my creativity and my, my inspiration. Sure. You know, I, I, I really wanted to be a writer before, you know, I discovered music in, in the way that it, it obviously completely consumes my life at this point. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it goes hand in hand, you know, um, but on the other hand, I love instrumental music. I love classical music, you know. So um, the marriage of the two is really like, you know, just magical to me. But um, I'm a huge film buff. You know, I, I have thousands of films in my collection. Um, I mean, thousands of books. And, you know, like French literature is, is has been influential for sure. Um you know, um, but, you know, going back to, to, um, my name Ellis, that I started off creating music under the moniker to the boy Ellis, which is a poem by George Tracheal, which is a Austrian born poet. And, um, he, he just, he wrote of this, this like mystical figure, you know, and I just could never figure out what it was, but the word struck me. Uh, to the point where, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just kind of continued down that path. And, and that's, that was also kind of like my way of getting into the solo thing away from, you know, the, the bands and all that stuff. And, but so I, I, I had to make it a, a personal, you know, a personal kind of endeavor, you know? So, you know, yeah, literature has, has definitely been, been a huge savior uh for me but um yeah i i I love art and my art you know um unfortunately uh i I spend all my money on records so i can't i can't afford fine pieces of art at this point in my life yeah no that's that's fantastic all right, so um, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there. Um, yeah. I feel like we could probably um, chat for, for a lot longer, but um, before we do wrap it up, um, just can you tell us how people can get a copy of um, the new EP, All the Pretty Little Horses? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm not, I'm not going to be going through Amazon this time or any of the distributors that I've used in the past. Um, uh, it's a limited edition EP like on via CD. So if you want a physical copy, you can get it through my website, henryderickdellis.com, and or Bandcamp. Um, those are the two main two places. Of course, you can pick up my full length album, The Devil Is My Friend, um, Amazon, and you know, there's there's dozens and dozens of options that you can get the record there. And did and, I see there's um, something like a very limited edition? I don't know if you still got any left. I think I saw there's a limited edition of four copies of, um, was that the album? Like a, a, a very special edition with your original notes or something like that. I'm sure I saw that. Yeah, That's, those are gone. Okay. Uh, I don't have 
don't have any more of those. Um, I had a, I had a slipcover um, edition of the vinyl as well. Those are gone. And uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I definitely believe in doing, you know, special editions and doing something for your fans and, you know, for people that genuinely still collect tangible things, you know, because it, it, it is important to, to give a little more and to go the extra mile, you know, I mean, I, I understand the disdain for, for CDs nowadays, but you know, there's still people that buy them. There's still people that want the physical copy because it means something to them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate that mentality. I, I appreciate people, um, you know, for that. So, um, yeah, I, I think for the next one, you know, I, you know, it's, I want to, want to kind of do the same thing, have like a special edition or something. And, um, sometimes it's cool just to, to have your, your, that have that connection with, with your fans and the people that enjoy your music, you know, for sure. Fantastic. Right. Um, it's been amazing to chat to you. So thank you so much for that. Um, Thanks, Duncan, man. Great, great interview, man. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also, check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.